Praise the Lord, church. I said, praise the Lord, church. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Praise God. Please forgive the tacky looking wire. I have made the mistake of trusting in technology. And the device that I have my message on is not charging. <laughs> yes. God is good, isn't he? Um, please forgive me. I have to get headphones for my son. If I don't give them to him, I'm going to be the worst dad on the planet for at least a week. Would you mind passing this to a uh, little man? Thank you so much. My brothers, we are getting shouted out. Yeah. I did. Thank you. You are absolutely right. Too many sisters. We need the brothers to step up. See, now, even, even in the midst of that, I heard more women. I said the brothers need to step up. Man, now we're getting somewhere. I said the, the brothers need to step up. You guys ever see that, that uh, scene in, in 300 where uh, King Leonidas says, uh, Spartans, what is your profession? I even spit while I did it. Um, brothers, we need to step up. I couldn't agree more. Uh, even as I stand here looking out at the congregation, they're, we're, just, we're so lopsided. So stepping up means bringing more brothers. Getting on fire. So uh, it's the man right here. I don't care what nobody says about my brother. Thank you, sir. So... I took some deep thought in our message for today. And I know that the last time I brought you a message called The Subtle Serpent at War with Us, with Mankind. So uh, today I'm actually going to reveal to you who the Antichrist is. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's very clear in Scripture that we have no clue who he is until he reveals himself. Just joking. Let's pray. Master, thank you for this privilege and this opportunity to fellowship with one another, to get into your presence, to receive from you, to be touched by you, to be blessed by you, to be changed by you, to be molded by you, to be broken by you. We thank you, Lord God, for your presence in our lives. I pray that for these next few moments that you would take control of me, of this place, of this congregation. I pray that you would use my mouth Use my mind, Lord God, and I pray that you would speak through me, Father. If at any time you decide that what I put down on paper is no good and you want to move in another direction, I submit and surrender to your will. Holy Spirit, have your way. And Father God, I pray that we would leave this place changed. I pray that you would reveal your word to us. Hallelujah. That it would breathe life 
into our families, into our behaviors, into our thinking. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody say amen. You all can have a seat. Oh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. I got to tell you, God is just too good. I know the last time I got crazy and I went bananas on the NIV and, and I was talking about, you know, some of the Bible studies that are out now that include witchcraft and vampirism um, to kind of disciple Christians. And I know it was a hot topic last night, in fact, I, last time, and I know that I left you guys kind of in shock. A number of you were, were kind of blown away. So I kind of thought that today I'd take it easy. I, I literally thought to myself, take it easy, dude. Um, today we're going uh, to look at the Word of God. And we're going to do something that... Uh, Chuck Stanley does on a regular basis. He does, um, wow, brain fart. Somebody say brain fart. Um, expository treaching, what I like to call treaching, where he literally takes the word of God and he makes it into bite-sized chunks that people can understand and walk away with a good understanding of the scripture. I'm sorry, it's hot up here. Somebody say the fat man needs a fan. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Today we're going to look at the book of 1 Thessalonians. Everybody say 1 Thessalonians. Raise your hand if you've ever read that book. Okay, okay, we got a few. We got a few that, that, that have checked it out. Um... We're going to take a look specifically at chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bible, you're in trouble. All right, so do me a favor right now. Just look at your neighbor. And if they don't have a Bible in their hand, just poke them in the arm. Electronic Bibles are acceptable. I think a number of people just got poked even though they had their, <laughs> their phone Bible. That's, I'm sorry about that. I should have said that first. But if you see neither an electronic Bible or an old-school paper book Bible, just give them another poke. Just give them, yeah, that's what you get. When we look at the um, Thessalonian history, there are a number of very interesting things. By the way, I'm not going to be coming down here very often because I've got to stay here because my Kindle's dead. Um... We see a lot of parallelisms, um, kind of strange, but a lot of parallelisms to New York City, in fact. So if you look at um, Thessalonica on a map, it's kind of northwest of Greece, and uh, it's basically right on the inside of this kind of U-shaped cul-de-sac, right? Right? And um, through history, we find that if, if originally it was a very insignificant town. Uh, but after the Persian Empire took over, and this guy, King Xerxes, came over and he took over and he conquered, um, 
after he conquered it, it started to get a little steam. It started to become a, a bustling port city. And so it became very important with regard to economy. It became very important militarily, very easy to defend. That little that shape where the Aegean Sea is, right? So if you're in the Navy and you're trying to make your way into that U shape, if you fortify it right, it's, you're basically going into a death trap. Those of you who are in, uh, former military, you know I'm right. Um, the name originated from uh, a word, thermi. Everybody say thermi, which is where we get the word thermal, right? And what, which basically means hot springs. Everybody say hot springs. And so apparently in Thessalonica, there are areas where I guess there are crevices under the earth where hot springs rise from. And there are certain parts on the shore there where you can sit down. And it feels like what it feels like when you sit some, too close to somebody in the pool who had to go. And it's, it's warm and comfy. And it's, even, it's also said that the water even has some healing properties for your skin. Anybody ever been there? You've been there one time? Huh? In Cuamo, Puerto Rico. Cuamo, Puerto Rico. Cuamo? Guano, like the bat stuff? No. Cuamo. Guamo. Okay. Guamo, Puerto Rico. They have hot springs there. That's, I got to go there. It's a lot closer. Probably a lot cheaper to fly there. I'd probably have a better understanding of the language, too. So originally it was Thermi, and it later became Thessalonica. Uh, there was a gentleman in Greece named King Philip, um, who was also, I believe, the father or stepfather of Alexander the Great. Philip's daughter was Thessalonica, and they named the area after Thessalonica, Philip's daughter, Alexander the Great's stepdaughter. Very nice place. I'd like to go visit it one day. One day. It'd be nice. Uh, it, it's a perfect place to deliver and trade goods um, and, it, and is what is now known as, into rather, what is now known as Southern Europe, including places like Macedonia, Bulgaria, Kosovo, Serbia, and so on. Historically, Thessalonica seemed like the place to be. Kind of like New York City, right? I mean, it was a place, if, if you were looking to make money, this would be the place to go. It was a port town, um, so ships were able to come in and do trading. And it was a bustling economy. And so when we first see Thessalonica, we find where Paul the Apostle, on his, I believe his third missionary trip, travels there. And uh, he brings the gospel, right? Everybody say, Paul brings the gospel. Now, if, if you've read in, in the book of Acts, you find that Paul is fearless. It's no joke. He went into places I would be terrified to go. I'm not, I'm not chicken to say that. I, I would not go to some of the places Paul went, especially Thessalonica. In, in uh, the book of Acts chapter 17, the first few verses you find where Paul the Apostle travels to Thessalonica, brings the gospel. First thing he does, he goes to the temple, and he goes to share with the, um, the Jews there, the, 
spiritual elite, the priests and the, the rabbis, the teachers, the guys that know stuff about God, right? So it was customary for him to do that first. So he gets there, and he finds some of the Jews receive him, but most of them reject him. And fortunately, though, um, a, a multitude, the Bible says, of Greeks, men and women, uh, people that were even of noble lineage, received him. So that's how the church kind of started there. So the thing is, is that the Jews were so upset at him for preaching Jesus, for talking about the resurrection, for declaring that Jesus was the Messiah, they basically chased him out. Right? And they wound up capturing this guy named Jason. And they basically charged him uh, one of those, what do, you, what do you pay when you go to jail to get out for a while until you stand trial? Ransom. They basically ripped him off. Bail? There it is. He posted bail. And the dog catcher caught him. No, just joking. Um, and so Paul leaves there. He goes to Berea. He goes to Athens. And even while he's traveling to Berea, um, the, the Thessalonian Jews chase him even to another region and continue to try to persecute him. So he, he hightails it out of there. Now, you, you can clearly see that there was a great deal of resistance from the Jews there, the people that knew most about God. It's unfortunate. In fact, it was the pagans... The Greeks that believed in many gods that received Paul's teaching the most. It's pretty amazing, huh? Boy, watch out for those religious folk. Hmm. Sometimes they, they can cause a lot of trouble. Hallelujah. Somebody say, Paul is amazing. He's kind of like one of my heroes. Spider-Man, Thor, they have nothing on Paul. Um, so that takes us moving forward into the book of 1 Thessalonians. If you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians, we're going to look specifically at chapter 5. And we're literally just going to walk through the chapter. Got to get used to my new Bible. All the pages are stuck together. <laughs> it's fun. If you have First Thessalonians chapter 5, say amen. amen. All right, so we're going to read through the first portion. The parts that I really want to focus on are, chapter, are verses 12 to the end. All right, so again, I hope you have your Bibles and I hope you have a pen to take some notes. We're going to read through some wonderful stuff. But the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord, so cometh as a thief in the night. Now, there were several times that Paul had to reiterate this to the Thessalonian church. There was a problem where people were saying, you know what, Christ isn't coming. I would even imagine that somehow the Jews had kind of done so, some kind of a propaganda where they inserted their thinking into the church at the time. Because you find in the book of Acts chapter 17, they literally hired thugs, 
right? They literally hired thugs to, to run around to find Paul and to capture, J- capture Jason, one of the Christians there, right? So I would imagine that he, they even hired some people to sneak into the church and, and start dissension um, and start preaching that Jesus isn't coming. How many of you ever heard somebody say Jesus isn't coming? It's interesting. Last Saturday, we had Pastor uh, Aramis. And one of the things he said that I don't hear often enough, to be honest with you, he said several times, Jesus is coming. The Lord is coming. He is coming. He is coming. He is coming. I said he is coming. I said he is coming. He's coming back. He said, if I go away, I'm going to prepare some mansions for you, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to bring you with me. Right? So for some reason, you got it in your head that this whole thing is a farce, that it's been 2,000 years. There's no way he's coming back. Somebody got this thing all wrong? No. The word is accurate. Paul knew what he was talking about. The Lord is coming. I said he is coming. So much so that Paul had to reiterate to the Thessalonian church in almost every chapter, don't be fooled, he's coming. Right? Now we find in the Thessalonian church that they didn't have a whole bunch of problems because they just kind of accepted mostly everything that Paul taught. Right? So in, in the other epistles we find where There are issues where a lot of the religious folk were trying to impose Jewish law things on people that it did not pertain to. They tried to drag the law into Christianity where it didn't need to be. But you don't find that in the Thessalonian church. So in Thessalonians, you find where Paul does a lot of commendation saying how great they are, how, how he's heard through the Macedonian church, that they love one another, that they're blessing one another, that they're teaching one another, that they're growing. So in another church, I think it's Corinthians, where you find that there's a young man who's... The kids kids are over there? Okay. You find in, in Corinthians where there was a young man who was having sex with his stepmother. And you didn't hear about this in the Thessalonian church. There were just a lot of commendations in fact, you didn't hear the stronger stuff until you got into Second Thessalonians. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Everybody say, a thief in the night. For when we shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. That's pretty sudden, isn't it? Right, so in the movies, you always see how there's the pregnant woman and she's kind of chilling and happy and hanging out with the homies and all of a sudden, you hear a splash and she goes, ah! And it's all very sudden. Right? It's expected, but it's all very sudden. Right? And so, Paul the Apostle is talking, likening it to that. If you're not prepared, you'll be caught unaware. Somebody say, I need to be prepared. Paul's going to show us how we can be prepared. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, 
nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that are drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. Now this isn't the first time we see Paul talking about helmets and breastplates. Right? We find later on in the book of Ephesians, everybody say Ephesians, in chapter 6 where he's talking about the helmet and the breastplate. Right? It's a little bit different here where he's talking about the helmet, I'm sorry, the breastplate of faith and love. The breastplate of faith and love. Everybody say breastplate, faith and love. What does a breastplate protect? The heart. What happens if your heart gets... You're done. The motor is gone. No mas. Everybody say no mas. mas. All right. Give me, give me no more in another language. Anybody? Niet. Niet. Nine. Brother Ade, you got, you got like an African word for us? Osi, Osi. Everybody say Osi. No mas. No more. You're done. So he likens the, breast, the breastplate, which is to protect our heart. It's the breastplate of faith and love. So we protect our heart with faith and love. Ladies and gentlemen, he's warning you to protect your heart with faith and love. What's the opposite of faith? Discouragement. Disbelief in the word of God. Hatred, anger, bitterness is the antithesis of love. Faith and love is what you need to guard your heart with. All right? For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Everybody say verse 12. All right, so this is where, we're, where it's going to get good. So if you look over and you see your neighbor starting to nod off, just give him a little elbow. All right, matter of fact, just shout, wake up! Wake up! <laughs> No, don't embarrass anybody. Maybe just like stick something in their nose. We don't want to embarrass them by shouting. <clears throat> Speaking from experience, a piece of tissue works really well. <laughs> the way he wants you to live. For this portion, I actually looked at two versions. Everybody say the message. And everybody say King James. Now, if you remember the last time, um, I did talk about some of the issues with the NIV. Um, And unfortunately, with many of the versions that are out there, a lot of the same problems carry over. Um, There are a couple of problems in the message, but I really liked the parts that were good. I really liked them in the message. So I'm going to use the message version and jump back and forth to King James. Now, I cannot stress the importance of reading 
more than one version, right? Um, please go back to the King James and measure it according to the other versions that you're reading. Take your time. It's, it's not a speed race. These, these, these one-year uh, um, programs that you go through, you know, I know that, you know, in order to catch up with the reading, you're like, don't speed read, man. Take it easy. The Word of God takes time to digest. Right? It takes time to meditate on it. It takes time. You've got to give the Holy Spirit a minute. Just chill and relax. Read a verse. Think about it. Go back. Look at it. Figure out where it was historically, and then read it again. All right? So I used King James, and I used um, the message. And so in the message version, it says, And now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. I really like that because it's a powerful principle that we need to take care of. And, and, and you know what? A lot of the things, a lot of our blessing comes from our, our acceptance to leadership, right? So we have, you know, our pastors, Pastor Victor, Pastor Gwen, Elder Ross, Elder Isabel. And I got to tell you, uh, actually next month makes exactly 10 years that I've been at Calvary Christian Fellowship. The church has been around for 30 years. I've been about, around for one-third of that. And uh, it's been such a blessing. But in my experience, um, every single interaction that I've ever had with the pastors and with the elders have always and every single time left me with something um, of edification, exhortation, Right? They've pushed me to become literally a better man, a better father, a better husband, a better Christian. Uh, every single time. Now, let's think about that. How many people in your life can you really say that about? And to be so consistent with it. Everybody's got a bad day. With Pastor Victor, you would never know it. I've been watching this man for 10 whole years. I, I've been taking, I take this scripture literally. You know, this isn't my first church. It's actually my fourth. Yeah, fourth. I think it's fourth. <laughs> and, uh, and whenever I go somewhere, I watch. I pay attention. And, uh, you know, if you're looking for somebody to get with, if you're looking for somebody to be an example to you, to kind of, you know, shoulder to shoulder with, to guide you into in your walk with God, pay attention to them first. Watch their testimony, because if there's junk in there, if there's flip-floppiness, it will come out. There will be something that you will see, some kind of, you know, the, the, the worst forms are kind of like when they're caught up in scandals. You'll start to see little inconsistencies in what they say and with what they do. I've not seen that with Pastor Victor. I've not seen that with Elder Ross or their wives. And so I make it a point, every single time I talk to them, every single time they call me on the phone or I see them here, I embrace them and I tell them I love them. Every single time. 
And, and I would imagine even sometimes to them it may feel a little weird and uncomfortable because I do it like every time. But I do it sincerely because they've made such an impact on my life. So much more so than the other three churches that I was at. This is the one that I was at the longest. Right, so it would have been three spread over ten years, and then this one was ten years. I've been 20 years in the Lord. And I got to tell you, I'm not going anywhere. I got to let you know that we got the good stuff. We have mighty men and women of God to look up to. We have mighty women in God that can train us up and make us better at everything. Um, they've always found a way to address my immaturities as a man, which is something that we need. I still have issues. And I'm okay with saying that. I'm sure my wife has a list that she could pull out in a heartbeat and say, yep, that's my man. (laughs) They care for our souls and they care for our success. They care for our families' success. They care for our eternity as well as the here and now when everyone else is only concerned with temporary things. And that is if they care even at all. So when you see uh, when you see me with uh, when you see me with Pastor Victor and with Elder Ross and and their wives, and I'm kind of lavishing my love with them. Uh, before you give me that scornful look, before you give me that moment of kiss up, understand that I'm obeying Scripture. I'm putting the scripture into practice. If we appreciate them, we must let them know. Amen? Verses 13 through 15. uh, Message version says, Get along amongst yourselves, each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. (laughs) Somebody say freeloader. Now, it's interesting. Uh, King James Version says, and to esteem them, uh, I'm sorry. Now, we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. Now, the, the word to look at is unruly. Everybody say unruly. And everybody say freeloader. Right, so freeloader isn't exactly, exactly accurate, but I like it. Right? It, it isn't exactly right in the translation, but I like it because it's kind of true. Right? So unruly, the word unruly means um, disobedient, rebellious, um, uh, lawlessness, loud, brash. Um, and so it, it's warning, Paul is warning for people who are just a little bit out of sorts, you know, war- telling you that you should warn them. Hey, brother, I, I understand your heart. When, when pastor's speaking and everybody else is quiet, you're supposed to be quiet too because the father of the house is speaking and, you know, we want to res- show the respect where respect is due. 
So to be joking around and laughing and, and you know, just kind of goofing off when the father of the house is trying to address his children, it's just not right. So, you know, just something to think about it. And I say it in love. I really do. And, you know, that's kind of how we do here. I agree. I agree. Amen. Now, he's never done that. But I wanted to give you, I wanted to give you a, an example. That's unruly. Who knows what a freeloader is? He's definitely not a freeloader. A freeloader is somebody who kind of hangs out and gets all the goods but never puts in any of the work. Now, what's interesting, when you go back to the early church, you find that the common practice, and you'll find this in the book of Acts, is that what they would do is everybody, when they gave their hearts to God, they took it upon themselves to literally sell everything and give it to the leaders of the church. And then what they would do is they would take the money and they would, they would give it out according to the need. And so a lot of people would make the argument that, hey, that's socialism. You know, you're giving from the rich to the poor. No, it's not. Right? So I'm, I'm sure that now you know this, you're very happy with the idea of tithes. Right? Because who here wants to sell everything they have? That's what I thought. But the thing is, is that they encountered some freeloaders. And so I, 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 can, I can take that naturally, but then I can take that spiritually as well. Right, so we, we heard uh, even just last weekend, I think it was Pastor Israel that had mentioned how, was it Israel or was it Mott? I can't remember. Who had mentioned how we come into the house of the Lord and we're eating and we're eating and we're eating and we're eating and we're getting full of the word, but we never give it out. We never take the goodness that we get here, and we never share it. So we're all bloated and constipated with the Word of God, and it's unfortunate. Or you come to, like, all the services, and then when it comes time to clean up, you book. I'm out, son. I'm not moving a chair. I'm not moving a table. I ain't sweeping nothing. You could clean that toilet yourself. Peace. That's kind of like freeloading. So the original says, unruly, but you freeloaders, be careful. <laughs> All right? And, and, uh, and another thing is that the same five to ten people can't continue to do everything. All right? I, I know, I know. I know it's, it's tough and... And I know everybody just wants to go home after service. I know people just want to come and receive and bounce. But you know what will happen is those five or ten people will burn out. And then you'll go to another church and complain how the last church didn't do anything for you. Brother Tony, come on, you're being harsh. I've seen it and heard it with my own ears. Twenty years into the game, I've seen it. Somebody say Amen. Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. All right? Be patient with each person, attentive to individual needs. Attentive to individual needs. First of all, we have to get to know one another. Somebody say, I need to know my brothers and my sisters. Those of you who bounce immediately after service... In case you don't know what the word bounce means, I don't mean this. Like Tigger. 
I mean, those of you who run out of here really fast. Matter of fact, you got your hand on the doorknob and you're waiting for the pastor to say amen during that dismissal prayer. Come on, hurry up, pastor. Hurry up, pastor. Got to go. Got to go. Whatever the case may be, I don't know, you know, some of you may leave, be leaving now. It's football season. I don't know. I don't watch football. Um, but stick around. Somebody say stick around. Somebody say hang out. Because it's important to fellowship. When we read in the book of Acts, it talks about how they constantly broke bread with one another. They constantly fellowship. They constantly talked about the goodness of God and testified and just chilled with one another, hung out with one another. It's important for us to get to know one another. Why? Because if we don't know one another, how can we help one another? How can we identify when one of our brothers or sisters is hurting or if they're lacking in some way? If we know one another's strengths and weaknesses, we know who to go to when we need something. We know how to identify when a brother is going through a rough time and you can say, that brother needs prayer. Or, sister's usually gone by this time. Why is she standing outside? Maybe her car broke down and she has no way of getting home. Um, get intimate with another, with one another and don't be afraid to trust one another. Please. We're family. Somebody say we're family. Somebody say we're blood related. Because we are. It's the blood of Jesus that ties us together. It's the blood of Jesus that makes us brothers and sisters. It's the blood of Jesus that brings us here in the first place. My brothers and my sisters, let's get to know one another. Be patient with each person. Get to know their individual needs. God may be wanting, God may be looking to use you to fulfill somebody else's need. God may have blessed you with something that you need to hand over to somebody else. Because maybe you didn't need it so much, but they really need it. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, Thirteen through fifteen. And be careful. I really like this one. This one's fun. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. That's the message version. Be careful that when you get on one another's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Are you going to have a bad day? Absolutely. Are you going to want to tell somebody to shut up or where to go? Absolutely. Can you do a lot of harm by doing so? Absolutely. Can you send them running to another church crying? Absolutely. Can you cause them to lose their soul? Absolutely. One of the first times I met Pastor, he uses this analogy. He talks about um, words being like nails and how nails go into a wall. And you can pull a nail out, but the hole remains. Careful not to snap at one another. I'm guilty too. Listen, don't catch me when I'm tired and when I'm hungry. I'm going to let you know right now, if I'm hungry and I tell you I'm hungry, please be understanding. 
because I will eat you. I'm guilty of it. I try, man. I spend a lot more time with the people at work who get it sometimes from me. Just this week on Wednesday, uh, I had put out, I, had, I, I do the ordering for my job for a lot of the uh, supplies and stuff. And I did a big order for all of the teachers of the school. Now, I kind of did it and I have a list that I understand um, that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't be able to make heads or tail of, head, tails of. So there were these two lovely individuals, one Greek lady named Miss Milas, sweetest lady on the planet, and this other gentleman named Mr. Andrew, who's an occupational therapist. Milas is a reading specialist. So these are like highly trained professional people, much more so than I probably will ever be, right? So they're awesome, and they like really want to help me. But the thing is, is that for some reason there was an urgency to get it done really fast. And I I wasn't sure if it was that they had other things to do, but they wanted to help me first. And I was just kind of like giving subtle hints, like, it's okay, guys, I got this. I I know, I know you can't understand it because I kind of wrote it down for me. I didn't expect it. And I kind of planned on taking care of it myself. And they were persistent and they were starting to push. And it start, and I felt it, and it was. Mm. You ever hear humming in your ears? <laughs> and 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 so they kind of, they both got frustrated, and they kind of put their hands down, and they stood there, so as to say, "So what you want?" Right? Um, they didn't actually say that, but they they both kind of just stood there and said, "So what do you want us to do?" In that way. And I said this, I, literally word for word, I said, well, I'm sure there's a kid that needs occupational therapy, and I'm sure that somebody needs your reading speciality. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> it was like a samurai sword of words. <laughs> and I feel bad, man, and I'm going to apologize to the Monday morning, because Wednesday was kind of the last day we had Rosh Hashanah off the two days. And they both went exactly like this. They looked at each other. They didn't say another word. And they walked out. And I had peace. <laughs> but it wasn't right. And I felt, I felt bad afterwards. And like I kind of finished everything off. And they were already gone by the end of the day. But we have to be careful. Because now, you know there may be a a, a little wound that I left behind in them that even though they may say, oh, it's okay, we understand, that thing may always still be there. And and Christians are some sensitive folk. For real. They will take stuff to the grave with them. And every time they see you, it doesn't matter if you get on your knees and say, I am so sorry. I will, I will give you my firstborn child if you will just accept my apology. And even still, every Sunday, they will walk into the church and do this. Yeah. When you get on, be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. I swear some people read that scripture and think that it says... Do your best to bring out the worst in people. 
Yeah, no, that's not you guys. It's the church a couple blocks up. Somebody say, be careful. Handle your brothers and your sisters with care. Handle your brothers and sisters with love. There are some churches that I go to that they're very uh, strong in excellence and, you know, and they're willing to chop each other up and come back the next week and be military-like about it. I'm not like that. I'll be honest with you. And that's why our pastor loves first. Right? How many people here have ever been slapped down by Pastor Victor's words? Probably some of us who have been around a really long time. And you probably really, 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 really deserved it. I'm sorry. Let's be real. You probably really deserved it. Because very rarely do I ever see this man get like really serious with somebody and get down to it and say, and most of us will probably never see it because he's so loving. And he's such a dad. And if he's got something to say to you, he's going to pull you aside and not embarrass you. That's our father. That's the father of our house. All right? And he truly brings out the best in us. Be cheerful no matter what. Verses 16. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you to belong to Christ. I'm sorry. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. These are the attitudes that make you tasty. Right? So Jesus called us salt and light. We're supposed to be tasty to people. Amen? These are the attitudes when we give thanks to God for everything. When people see us that nothing can get us down, that there's always a smile on our face, to be cheerful, even, when, even though we have the reason, a good reason to sulk. Um, people watch and they see. And it is that attitude that will make somebody say, wow, they really have something different. I want what they have. Who leaves sour tastes in people's mouths? Of course you're not going to raise your hand. Who here is absolutely super sweet and they're always cheerful and they always give God glory no matter what happens and every time people come into their presence, they're like, what do you have? I've got to have it. Okay, so we got some work to do. Listen, I need work too. I probably need more work than most of you. Somebody say amen. amen. It's getting quiet up in here. Um, here's a good one. Verses 19 through 22. Everybody say, Jesus, have your way. Don't suppress the spirit. King James Version says, quench not the spirit. Don't suppress the spirit and don't stifle those who have a word from the master. Jesus said in uh, John, I think it's 16. I didn't put the chapter here. I think it's John 16, 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. 
For if I go not away, the Comforter or the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, he will reprove. The word reprove, reprimand or censure the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not, they believe not on me. What did you change? Something sounds different. Sounds weird. Okay, that's better. Thank you. Forgive me. Uh, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and ye see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Everybody say righteousness. I'm sorry. Everybody say sin, righteousness, judgment. All right, so the Holy Spirit helps us to overcome sin. Everybody say amen. amen. Everybody say the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Helps, us helps us overcome sin. All right. It helps us to put on God's righteousness so that we will not be judged along with the prince of this world who we know as... Who's the prince of this world? The ruler of this world, Satan. That's right. All right. Shutting down the voice of the Holy Spirit will only lead you to unrighteousness and sin. Please, 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 I beg of you, don't ever tell the Holy Spirit to shut up. Please. Allow your spirit to be tender. Whenever the Holy Spirit nudges you, says, put that down, say, yes, Lord, and put it down. Okay, Hebrews 1 says, But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Everybody said, God loves righteousness. God hates iniquity. The Holy Spirit will lead you into righteousness. You don't have to repeat that part. Being obedient to the Holy Spirit leads you into righteousness. It, it allows God's righteousness to wash over you day in and day out. Amen? Okay. Righteousness is important. Hebrew says the scepter... Uh, I'm, God, I'm sorry. God's scepter is a scepter of righteousness. What's a scepter? What's a scepter? It's a symbol of authority. There you go. It's a symbol of sovereignty. It's a symbol that says, I can do whatever I want to do because I rule. Amen? And it's righteousness. The scepter is a scepter of righteousness. The symbol of ruling authority, of sovereignty. That was Hebrews chapter 1. I think it's verse 8. Can I show you something real quick? Let's kind of revert back to that, that NIV thing. When I looked at the same scripture, um, the message version says, but he says to the son, your God, and on the throne for good, your rule makes everything right. You love it when things are right. You hate it when things are wrong. That is why God, your God, poured fragrant oil on your head, making 
marking you out as a king far above your dear companions. So if you look at this, and, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, but the words righteousness, the word righteousness is replaced with right. And iniquity is replaced with wrong. Really? So righteousness connotates right standing with God, consecration, sanctification. The word right simply means correct. Uh, Iniquity, the definition is prolonged sin by choice. So there's sin, you can sin, and it would, you know, it can be that you didn't realize that, and it's a sin. But iniquity is saying, I know it's a sin, and I'm going to keep on doing it. So they replace the word iniquity with wrong. Is it me? Or is, this, or is, this, is that jacked up? Something got lost. All right, sorry, I'll get off that topic now. That's why it's important to read more than one version, man. Get back to that King James and read it side by side. Amen? All right, so I promised I wasn't going to dwell there too long. Obey the Holy Spirit when you are prompted to reject something. Right? Allow God to convict you. Actually, this is, this is a quote from David Wilkerson. Who's ever heard of David Wilkerson? He was formerly the pastor of... Um, Times Square Church, Manhattan, and he passed away a couple of years ago in a car accident. Um, Mighty, mighty man of God. Um, He was the, if you've ever seen the movie or read the book, uh, Cross and the Switchblade, it was based on his life. Elijah, you've seen it. My man is jumping up and down. And so this was a statement I heard him say. It's really powerful. Allow God to convict you. It's not to say that God is saying, I'm mad at you, but he's saying, I need your voice. I'm going to read that again. Allow God to convict you. It's not to say that God is saying, I'm mad at you. He's saying, I need your voice. What does that mean? What does unrighteousness bring? Judgment, conviction, the law. A mind that is unwilling to accept the truth of God, to accept that God can use you, right? I'm not worthy because I kind of jacked this up. What does righteousness bring? Righteousness brings confidence. It creates faith that God can use you. You get that? Uh, Righteousness brings clarity. It makes every choice clear. It makes every choice black and white. Uh, It makes you a vessel of honor. You become an access point for others to God. And finally, righteousness is maintained through consistent repentance and prayer. Brother Tony, I repented 10 years ago when I gave my heart to the Lord. Yeah. We sin every single day. But wait, Brother Tony, you know, 
Like, once saved, always saved. I'm always, you know, once I repent once, I'm good for, like, the rest of my life. You need to repent constantly to continually ask God forgiveness for the things that you do. We do things every day that are contrary to the nature, to the expectations of God. Consistent repentance, consistent prayer. Amen? Come on, you guys are asleep. What does sin do? Sin eliminates your voice from delivering God's mercy to the world. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to say it again. Sin eliminates, eliminates, eliminates. Sin eliminates your voice from delivering God's mercy to the world. Sometimes you could even be saying the right thing, but if your life is all jacked up with sin, the effect is not there that it's supposed to have. And no, I will not be quiet. I'm telling the truth. Sad to say, some of us have never heard the Holy Spirit, never heard the voice of the Holy Spirit because we've never had a prayer life. I'm going to say that again. Some of us may have never, ever heard the, whole, the, the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to us because some of us may have never had a consistent prayer life. It's only through relationship that you can hear the voice of God. And I'll give you another tip. It gets quieter and quieter the longer you are in the Lord. God goes from speaking like this. Tony, you need to stop smoking. You need to start going to church. You need to treat people right. Ten years later, it's like, Tony, you need to speak to that sister. She's hurting. Twenty years into it, this is where you need to go. God's voice gets quieter. Amen? Am I telling the truth? All right, I hope somebody's learning something here. And finally, on that last verse, do not despise prophecies. That's the King James Version. MSG Version was... Sorry about that. And don't stifle those who have a word from the Master. Allow God... Sorry. And for God's sake, don't reject the word of the Lord when it comes to you from an honorable vessel. Um, lately, I've been meeting a lot of Christians that have been around the block a few times that are rejecting the legitimate word of God. What the heck is happening? Listen, when, when somebody like Pastor Victor, Elder Ross, comes up to you and says, listen, I've got to tell you something. The Lord is saying this to me. And, you know, there may be an area of your life that you need to shape up. And if you walk away from that conversation and you say, my man don't know what he's talking about, I'm perfectly fine. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'll tell you right now, you got an issue. You have an issue. Amen? If you know that the vessel that's bringing it is honorable, and if you know that it's a word from the Lord... Don't reject it. Receive it. Regardless of how good it feels or how much it sucks. Amen? 
Next verse says, on the other hand, don't be gullible, and I'm almost done. I know you guys want to go. I know you guys are thinking right now, who gave this dude the mic? My man will not stop. Everybody say, he's almost done. On the other hand, don't be gullible. Prove all things. Check out everything. All right? On the other hand, don't be gullible, check out everything, and keep only what's good, throw out anything tainted with evil. All right? King James Version says, check out everything. Um, King James Version says, prove all things. All right? King James Version, instead of saying, throw out anything that's tainted with evil, it says, abstain from every appearance of evil. If it doesn't look right, if it looks evil, smells evil, tastes evil, if you get the faintest whiff of evil, turn around, go the opposite direction. Brother Tony, you're getting legalistic. Listen, I'm going I'm to go to what I have an issue with. I'm going to talk about the media, movies, television, Satan owns your TV. Listen, I don't care what people say. <laughs> uh, I, know, I know that you know, a lot of the old school preachers preached against TV. They said, pull the tail out of the wall, t- take that demon and throw him out in the, in the street. But now even more so than then, back in the 60s and 70s, you see more evil, more unrighteousness, a depiction where good is evil and evil is good. You can disagree with me. That's fine. You, you're, I'm, I'm, I can give you my opinion. I'm telling you that what I'm seeing on television is a consistent change. We're not seeing shows like My Three Sons, Leave It to Beaver. We're seeing shows like... Um, help me out. What was that? Vampires, werewolves, what else? Witches, Family Guy, that's a disgusting show. Reality show, oh my God. Whose reality is that, Satan's? I'll just pick one, one thing that I had seen recently. This um, Toddlers and Tiaras. Why are they putting these little babies in these, these women's outfits that some of us would, you know, would you know, see a full-grown woman in it and go, but we're putting babies in them and making them strut and shake their stuff. It's, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm getting old, but it's disgusting. There's maybe one show that I've seen recently, The Duggar Family. Um, And I was amazed. What's the name of the show? 19 and Counting. On the flip side, get them a TV, please. No, just joking. (laughs) 19 and Counting. This is actually kind of a cool show because they're showing these parents that are bringing these children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. They're following scriptural principles 
That's like the one show out of probably a billion that are on TV. Maybe a billion's exaggerative, but there's a lot of shows out there, and it's all garbage. I'm sorry. It really is. The v- abstain from the very appearance of evil. Now, don't go po- texting Pastor Victor. I know you guys are texting him right now. I see you guys. Saying, Tony is telling me to throw away my television. That is absolutely not what I said. Absolutely not what I said. But the scripture commands us, Paul the Apostle, who knew something about God, who knew something about the mercy and love of Jesus Christ, who knew quite a bit about staying away from legalism, believe it or not, said, abstain from the very appearance of evil. If it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, you've heard this term, it is a duck. If it looks like evil, smells like evil, remember that your, your, your eyes are the windows to your soul. And it's, 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 it's going in. It's what goes in that defiles you. Right? Amen? All right. Amen. Isaiah chapter 5 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. So if you encounter something and you say, I kind of got a handle on this, God. I can handle this. I could do this. I'm, I'm mature enough to handle this thing. I don't have a problem with this anymore. It could be a million different things. It could be maybe something that the Lord delivered you from years ago. I don't know if you remember a while back, I preached another uh, topic sermon where I, one of the points was stick to a vomit-free diet. Remember that? Don't go back to your vomit. Don't go back to it. Um, MSG version says... On the other hand, don't be gullible. Prove all things, check out everything, and keep only what is good. Um, Gullibility is linked to discernment. Everybody say discernment. Discernment is a gift that you get through the Holy Spirit, right? You're able to see the truth behind something that may be masked as something else. That's through discernment from the Holy Spirit. Right? If you don't have discernment, you can be swindled, hoodwinked. You're gullible. You could fall for some stuff. Amen? If you're gullible and you lack discernment, it's because your relationship with God is not right. It simply means that your relationship is not strong enough so that the Holy Spirit can say, hey, No, that's not good for you. He's lying to you. That's a lie. It's the enemy trying to creep into your soul and mess you up, trip you up. Some things that we get tripped on, we never come back from. It's It's a fact. May God himself, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole. King James Version says, sanctify you, separated 
you're a vessel and a tool separated to the service of God, right? Um, Make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, and keep you fit for the coming of our Master, Jesus Christ. The one who called you is completely dependable. If he said it, he will do it. If he said it, he will do it. He said he was coming back. Friends, keep up your prayers for us. Greet all the followers of Jesus there with a holy embrace and make sure this letter gets read to all the brothers and sisters. Don't leave anyone out. I just did that. The amazing grace of Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now why are the Thessalonians like us? They were in a very prosperous city. I'm sure a lot of their time was saturated with working and being diligent and earning money and running back and forth, getting things done. Just like us. I'm sure that they had all of the comforts of life. And quite frankly, they may have even been very little that they needed to depend on God for. If we're not careful, we could be there too. Some of these warnings we really need to take to heart. We need to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Before we make a move, we need to pray and say, God, is this right? Is this where you want me to go? Especially on those things that affect our future, that affect our family's future, that affect the future of those around us in our church. All right, so if my brother leaves today, this is a part of the body that's going with all of the gifts and the talents and the blessings that I need to survive, that we need to survive. Don't go nowhere, please. We love you. I heard this brother plays keyboard too. And the drums and some guitar. I'm very happy about that. And he loves the Lord and he knows the word. Come on, man. Men, step up your game. Learn how to play the spoons. <laughs> Let's be careful. Let's take the word of God to heart. Let's learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit for more. I know some of you have very professional jobs and some of you make good money and some of you are, you know, well-to-do and you're okay. And there may, be, there may not be very many times when you're driven to your knees because of a need or because of an illness. But God is calling us to pray. He wants our voice to, de- to deliver the message of the gospel, to deliver his message of love, to be a living epistle. Everybody say, I'm a living love letter. Righteousness, prayer, relationship, understanding his word. Putting his word into action. These are all things we need to be doing regularly in order to be an effective love letter. 
Do you want to be a, a love letter that says, if you like me, check this box? No. You want to be a passionate love letter. You want to be an effective love letter. Yesterday we played the song that you, you ladies seem to love this song. It drives you nuts. Um, what are the words to it? You won't relent until you have it all. What's the next line? Come be a, a seal. Let me be a seal upon you. See what I mean? That's their song. It's poetic. It's, it's a love letter. It's from the Songs of Solomon. If you never read it, it's from the Songs of Solomon. Look it up. It's beautiful. Um, fire that the waters cannot thirst, uh, quench. I can't remember lyrics. I can't even remember lyrics to songs I wrote. Do you want to be that kind of a living love letter? Because I don't want to be the check this box type of love letter. That's corny. It's immature. Let's stop being immature. Let's grow up. 